Welcome to episode 444 of the Pop Culture Roundtable, the podcast that's starting to warm its chestnuts by an open fire. In this episode, we talk about wearable tech, Tales of Tucana, and Succession Season 3. I'm Andrew Sale. I'm Lauren Rubin. I'm Patrick Hill. So get your Yuletide carols ready for the choir, because it's time to jump into another Holly Jolly episode. My chestnuts are on fire. We like to kick off every episode by going around the table. Which is where we talk about something new, fun, and noteworthy about our weeks. Lauren, why don't you kick us off? Awesome. Uh, I have been um, working a lot this week. I had like one of my regular job um, like event things, so I did that most of the week. So I don't have a ton to talk about, but I do have a few things. Um, I was actually going to talk about this last week. I watched it over Thanksgiving, but... Um, on Netflix, a new movie that is really, really great, and I think everybody should check out um, Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, did you guys check this one out? Not yet. I totally plan on it. Okay, I was like, Andrew, you you will like this movie, I think. Uh, it's really good. I hope that this, like, brings Netflix a ton of Oscars because I think they're gonna, they, like, really deserve it for this movie. It's really, really good. Um, so if you are not familiar with this movie at all, um, it is a movie version of Jonathan Larson's one-man show, Tick, Tick, Boom, um, and it's directed by Lin Manuel Miranda, who I'm sure you guys have heard of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it kind of it tells the story of like uh, Jonathan trying to write like his first hit musical, but like as he's turning thirty, feeling like he's going to be a failure if he can't like you know a- a- achieve his like life's masterpiece by then, which is like a very relatable thing in my opinion. <laughs> um, and it's like it's it's very interesting because like Jonathan Larson is most famous for writing Rent. Um, which is a musical I love, love, love. And I wasn't as familiar with this. And it's funny because like, I do think like the music has little hints of like rentish things. And you can kind of see like, as he's writing this other musical where those ideas are sort of like starting to build up and like where he's um, starting to think about what musicals should say and like um, how to like use them to um, like speak larger messages to people and stuff. It's, it's really, really a cool movie. Um, Andrew Garfield is amazing. The whole rest of the cast is also amazing. Why did you just start amazing. with Andrew Garfield? That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> he plays Jonathan Larson, so he's the main actor in this. Um, and he's really great. I saw some reviews say that he's like not a good enough singer, and I would like to just punch those people in the face. They are so wrong. Um, like a lot of the other people in the musical maybe like outshine him a tad, but like it's all because like everybody is really really good. Like some are going to be a little better than others. That's just how it works. Do you like, know <laughs> how how much I want to punch those people in the face? How many times? How many? Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred <laughs> swings on their faces. They so every they one. know that they're wrong <laughs> with their ideas. That's yes. Beautiful. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. I did. I did very much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would just recommend uh, everybody check this out. It's a great, like, um, family movie um, if you want to watch it. There are some, like, heavy themes, um, but, like, I think, like, maybe, like, little kids, they might go over their head if they're interested in this movie, you know. Um, but really, really good movie. I loved it. And I, I learned a really fun fact about Jonathan Larson that I have to share <laughs> After uh, I watched this movie, I was like kind of reading more about him because it's very autobiographical. 
um, or just biographical, sorry. <laughs> and um, I was reading his Wikipedia page and apparently he helped write some of the music that was in um, American Tale, which just like oh, makes man. me so happy to think that the guy who wrote Rent also wrote, there are no cats in America and the streets are made of cheese. <laughs> So that is just that's your song from uh, that. That's your song. Not. No, I think that there are many like all the songs. Yes. Yes. But that that's like a good one. Like there's so many silly songs in it as well. That's why I'm like, I just love this. Like that makes me so happy to know that that like connection has existed throughout my whole life in a weird way. (laughs) Is this officially our musical episode? It might have to be. Oh my <laughs> no, 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 it's not. We're going to throw it out Not doing I, it. I kind of think it is. <laughs> it's, it's not. I'm feeling that vibe. Yeah. We, we, have the rhythm. All, we have all sung at least one song since we hit record. I'm just putting that out there. I, I don't think it. that's true. I you like, did yeah, you all sang of my before singles beforehand. Mm-hmm. You did all your singles? <laughs> I did all my singles beforehand. <laughs> Oh, nice. Uh, Okay, so I've got a couple more uh, things to share from this week. Most of these have to do with kind of what I've got going on in my shop and all that kind of stuff. So um, and all the projects I've been working on last month. Um, So one of the projects that I've been working on uh, dropped today. (laughs) Sorry, it was supposed to be Wednesday, the day of the episode, which would have been great, which is why I hesitated. Uh, But it decided to drop early, which is awesome surprise. And that is the scum zine, which is a a little zine, a digital zine completely devoted to the scum and villainy in Star Wars. So you draw any bad guy you wanted, any like, you know, monster, any of the weirdos in the bars, like basically just anybody who's like not on the, the, you know, 100% light side. So I I really like it. It was really, really fun to see all the things that everybody made. Um, uh, I'm one of 18 artists who made something for the book. um, And there's about 20 illustrations, I think. And it's really cool to see like how different everybody's styles are and like how many different subjects people picked and like how deep the cuts are and stuff. Cause like, uh, I just love that kind of stuff. It's definitely like a, a inside baseball Star Wars fans kind of thing uh, to like know all the characters and stuff. But it's like all the fun bounty hunters that they have action figures for. And like, you know, we all collected. So I think that's like so fun. It's really cool to see. So um, I have a link in the show notes for that. You can download it for free or you can pay uh, whatever you feel like is uh, nice for all of us. You know, going back to our our patron only discussion that happened before we hit, uh, well, before we started this episode. I know what you're getting ready mm-hmm. to say. Doing anything titled a zine. Yep. It's starting to make Andrew's point a bit more. I just, I wanted when you said that you your project was scum zine. I wanted to raise my scary. hand through the rooftop and just raise my victory medal high. <laughs> that is so funny. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I will take that mantle and put it on my spiky shoulders. <laughs> I do want to take a second on that note, though, to 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 comment on the fact that last week. There were some uh, there were some allusions to the fact that there would be some stories that only patrons could hear, and someone did become a patron last week just to yeah. be able to hear said stories. So, if you want to be in on the uh, the the fun goings on that happened uh, before the uh, before the cutting room floor, then uh, you know what to do. And, and I would like to point out, clickbait works. Yeah. All right. Go true. ahead, Lauren. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Targeted ads um, also work, by the way. Um, so I also launched some new pins. Uh, I kind of did a humongous shop update uh, on Friday. So uh, because we finally finished our Hobbit series of pins that I've been working on with the uh, Ursa Yay. Major Supply for about a, a year or so now. 
Uh, Frodo was our last one. It was very hard to do figure out um, kind of how to include him with the rest because the rest are kind of like funny sayings and more specifically food related. But Frodo is very serious compared to the other hobbits. So he just like doesn't crack a lot of jokes <laughs> or anything like that. So we kind of um, decided to change it up and do his more serious. So Frodo is the ring bearer. So it has like a quote that has to do with that. Um, it says, I will take it, though I do not know the way. And then we did it in a special edition gold version that we only made 150 of for this launch. And then the like regular bronze version that we'll have that wow. matches the whole set. So I really love how those turned out. It was very hard to get his like likeness right. So I was like so happy when the pins came in and they just like look perfect. So I love them. Uh, super happy with that. And um, I think it's going to be the actual anniversary of the Fellowship of the Ring in like four days. So that's also awesome. Wow. <laughs> the backers for those are very pretty. Oh, thank you. I do all of those as well. <laughs> do you remember, Patrick, when, when uh, we went to uh, Fantastic Fest and I sat next to him in a movie? Oh, that's I, I remember that story. It's so You're awesome. You're talking about the guy that owns Ursa Major Supply? I yeah. didn't realize he was there. <laughs> yeah, he was there. He's sitting uh he yeah, was sitting Victor's right next there. To me. He's always there. And <laughs> and, and I, I almost remember and I almost, and he, he did a total faux pas. Totally. He totally did. He got up and left in the middle of the movie to go yes. take a smoke break and then he came back and asked what he missed. <laughs> <laughs> and it was during a film. That that was not a possibility to answer that no, question. No, no, it was it was a crazy it was a crazy one. Um, we uh, uh, I, I think that um, the my favorite part about that interaction with him was when I almost uh, thought he was Daniel uh, Radcliffe <laughs> because I almost I almost talked about um, Swiss Army Man to him. <laughs> Oh my god! At least you didn't say Harry Potter. That would have been so funny. <laughs> I, I can promise you, you wouldn't have been the first person. Oh no, I guarantee I wouldn't have. But yeah. I'm glad I caught myself. And it wasn't that I didn't know that it was. Uh, um, what's his name? Eldridge Cundleboy. Elijah Wood. Yeah. Elijah Wood. Um, it wasn't that I didn't know he was Elijah Wood. It was in my head. Elijah Wood was in Swiss Army Man, but I caught it before oh. I said it. Yeah. Fun fact, <laughs> there is a picture that you'll see pop up every now and then of Elisha on a bird scooter with like a cigarette in his mouth and he's like standing awkwardly straight up. It's yes, like a, it's a great picture. That, that, that was, was that day. taken that day at the <laughs> festival. So right out front. Every time yeah. I see that, it reminds me of us sitting in a movie with him. Yeah. Okay. That is awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. If whatever <laughs> happens again, Lauren, I'll have one of your pins with me at all times, and I'll just I'll yes. make sure he gets one. I, I think he goes was, to Fantastic Fest every year, so we he should does. just take one next time. He mm. does, yeah. I've always wanted to go anyway. I They actually had a thing at the like one of the conventions I was supposed to be at this year. They were going to have all four hobbits there to like sign autographs, and I was supposed to have these ready for that, but they the whole thing got canceled like several months before the show, unfortunately. Dang. But if I ever get the chance, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, you'll do it. I believe in you. Oh, yeah. It would be so awesome. I had a whole plan, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, and then I have a couple things to promote within our M of One community. Uh, this Saturday, we had a really fun time doing a special D&D &D session with Dungeons and Designers. I'm not sure when that will come out, but it was awesome. So I just wanted to say thank you guys for having us. Uh, I can't wait to listen. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was holiday. Really it was like a holiday special, although it had nothing yes, to do with the holidays. A little Christmas game. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was awesome. You know, nothing like a little like Dungeons designers and christmas why not <laughs> yeah. eggnog and um and then rolling uh one initiative. last thing we've got going on before the end of the month is the next drawing board will be on december 21st so join me and doc on youtube 
he's going to be breaking down his process for the um, project he did a couple of months ago, the Daniel project. I yeah. almost said David. <laughs> um, yeah. One of those D names all in the Bible, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, it's really cool. I'm very excited to talk to him about it. Like this is like a project he's been working on for a long time. Um, and so I'm excited to see the final results and get to ask him all the questions about it and everything. So join us uh, December 21st on YouTube at uh, seven o'clock central time, I believe. Yeah. And one we'll of the things all- that I love about Doc is that he's always learning something new. Yeah. I actually learned so much from doing our drawing boards. I'll actually say this right now. My like scum piece that I worked on was very, very, very influenced by watching Doc in the last drawing board because I always really like how he does such like extreme shadows and I don't feel like I do that a lot. So I try to use like way, way more black than I usually do and kind of like push myself to like do more extreme lighting like after I've been watching him do it all year. So uh, thanks, Doc, for teaching me so many new things. Drawing board is awesome. Thanks, Thanks, (laughs) Lee. Yeah, um, that's it for me. Uh, Patrick, why don't you take it away? Absolutely. Uh, by the way, I, I spent all day today stressed about a deadline that I had tonight. It was something that had to be uh, scheduled and was supposed to launch at like 12.01 tomorrow morning. Oh, um, Turns out it's not due until 12.01 on Wednesday morning. So oh my I was, gosh, yeah. I was so worried about this thing that I was like rushing to get done. I've got loads of time, so I'm gonna just do nothing the next 24 hours. Is that why when we joined you today in the call, you were finishing up your Warcraft? (laughs) Because (laughs) because 10 minutes earlier, I had learned that this thing was not due for another day. (laughs) Oh, I can stress about this tomorrow. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I had time to check my mail before we started podcasting. That's good. Um, Okay. Not crazy. Uh, I I have future. I know we're not there. Everybody, calm down. Chill out. I had future toys this week, but I'm not. I'm going to talk about a game instead. And because of that, I'm going to talk about toys in this little bit uh, around the table. That way I feel like I still completed the brief. Yeah. Uh, I feel like toys and games are like in a shared realm a lot of times. No, this is is what he has to do in order to be It's my penance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Must make right in the universe. Yes. (laughs) All right. So on that note, uh, first, Andrew, I wanted to show you. So this isn't uh, as big of a thing, but uh, Andrew, I know that you're a big Team NT fan. Yes. And when I was going across a 1-6 Toys today, I found a company called DreamX and a 1-6 scale. Now, they do all the turtles, but specifically a Donatello that I thought was beautiful. Oh, yes. Um, I've seen these. I love that. That's What great. I love about this is that in, in addition to... we're. I feel like with turtles, I'm I'm used to seeing uh, turtles where all the accessories are kind of molded into them, or they're mm-hmm. just clip mm-hmm. on like vinyl or some yeah. other, um, uh, uh, you know, medium. But yeah. in this case, it's like leather straps, cloth hat, cloth jacket. The specifically the like undercover. Donatello is his bandana also a cloth with wire in it? It is also yeah. cloth as well. I was just thinking that. Yes. Oh my gosh, it looks really cool without the code. The, the knee like, pads have cloth straps, like the the bow staff is wrapped in cloth. You've got pupil really like, eyes and not pupil eyes, which is nice. Oh, that's cool. I really like that the style of it is like not a hundred percent like the movie version, not a hundred percent the cartoon version, but like somewhere right in the middle. Well, this would live, and it's really cool. It's it is exactly the the two thousand and like five version though. It's a realization of. Mm. The TMNT like um, animated series, not the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but when they switched to TMNT, 
that is that. That's like a real version of that. So I don't know if I'm as familiar. I'm looking at these. You'll, are, you'll find them and you'll see. These are mostly sold out. I mean, if I checked, because I I, I, I thought you might like them. I checked a few yeah. places. So they, you see them anywhere from $180 to $250. Mm-hmm. There are a couple places that have them in oh, stock. Yeah. Again, they did several of the turtles. But specifically, I think the Donatello uh, looks very, very nice. It does but look really while, good. While also looking, I was looking He's for He's the best something. one anyway. <laughs> well... <laughs> That's a good question. Andrew, who's your favorite? Uh, Michelangelo. <gasps> That's my favorite. Yep. Donatello is my favorite, legitimately. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, this they're is all, a, they're uh, all good, though. There's no bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, none so, of like, them are bad. It's just like Donatello has been my favorite since I was a little kid. He's the best. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing is I was looking. What I was actually looking for when I found this Donatello was something along the lines of like a G.I. Joe replacement. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that was a that was something that was a very big part of my childhood, and I came across this company called Damn Toys, um, or it might be, honestly it might be Dom Toys, Dom Toys. <laughs> because yeah. it's a company that's uh, I believe based in Hong Kong, um, and uh, they make six scale figures, and they do this they and they make a lot of different stuff. It's not only military figures. This is just one of their lines, which is the Elite series. Uh, they they also do like dinosaur busts and and this like, isn't like a GI Joe. Is this based off like the U.S. military uniform? And that's what this is, or they do they they do militaries from all over the world. So I'm showing. Oh, you that's a, really cool. This is based off a U.S. one here, the one that I'm showing, because I want to show you some of the up close details on this one. But they actually do soldiers from several different uh, countries. Uh, nice. But it's sixth scale. And the articulation, the joints, honestly, the joints are probably even less hidden than some of the G.I. Joe joints were. So it's, um, uh, and it looks like it's still a, a fairly hard plastic figure. But what I'm so impressed by, and, and let me give you a price range so you know what we're looking at. What I what I can tell, these are about $250 toys. Um, so you could put them in like a hot toys category. But the um, details on the actual um, accessories and stuff are just incredible. So this one we're looking at here uh, looks like a modern soldier. He's got night vision mm-hmm. goggles. He's got uh, metal bolt cutters. He's got like the standard like uh, kind of like bags and pockets and things that that you would expect. But total mix of mediums. I think one of the things I'm most... There's actually in- little things in all the little pockets. Like yeah. that's crazy. Yes. In fact, let me show you uh, some like... Uh, closer up pictures. Wow, they have tiny, tiny patches. Yep. This will show you. So, like, there, there's like little tubed bottles. Uh, there's glow sticks. So, you see what looks like a uh, glow stick material. Yeah. Um, you're right. Patches. Everything is. That's connected. such a punk rock thing to notice, Lauren. <laughs> well, it's, it's just yeah. so small. Uh, this is a side note. Have you guys watched the like what? 25 What's Days like- of Christmas that Leica's been posting? Pause on that, Patrick. Leave it. Leave it on that for a second. It's um, the actor. I can't think of his name. It looks, um, he's from. Like he's him. from Hannibal. Uh, it's Javier yes. Bardem. No, 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 no. Gosh, he's from Hannibal. He's like the bad guy yeah. in Hannibal. Um, I I saw him too, and I I I see the actor's face in my head. Well, obviously, right in front uh, of me as well, and I cannot place it, but it looks just like him. Yeah, it absolutely does. Mads right, Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, Jack, Jack Nicholson. All right. What were you saying, Lauren? Oh, I was just going to say, I was thinking of that because like I've been watching the the stuff that Leica has been posting on Instagram is like 12 days of Christmas or whatever. And they did this thing of like all like them um, knitting Coraline sweaters, like with actual sewing needles. And Whoa. I was like, what? 
what? That's like, awesome. how do you like that? The attention to detail to make something like like that tiny is crazy. So I just know I'm like, how do you even so small enough to make these patches so detailed? Like, yeah. So say, looking this at this is nuts. Looking at this vest, wow. and here's what's crazy too. When you see this vest, so a little bit of the stitching gives it away on uh, the these like foldable pockets. But when you look at the overhead view of the vest laid out, it just looks like a person's vest. It does yeah. not look like yeah. a model vest. It is yeah. I would never wild. know. It... All the way down to like individual, like uh, even like bullets and shells are all modeled as well. Um, so very, very crazy setup. Um, these are absolutely rad. Now they're two hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> I, I don't know. Look at look at this. Look at I know. the stitching Insane. on the, the knife. Look at the, and it has the a little tiny knife holder. Yeah, the feet <laughs> like, for it. I think my favorite detail, which is probably hard to see from there, is the shoes. The shoes yeah, look like awesome. a set of uh, like they have uh, rubber, not suede, but whatever the top is is different. But they actually have uh, an outer top. They have a sole. They have the mid. They have the laces. Like crazy 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 the detail on these is nuts so again this is from dom toys uh this is the elite series but they have a lot of other products and they have licensed products as well that that are um you know they have like assassin's creed and and resident evil so they have other licensed properties that they do to uh toys for but i was very very impressed by the elite series uh and then if these are the ones that lauren will like this is the uh paleontology oh yeah love it uh, bust series which is just dinosaur faces what's the yeah. price on these so these i don't know i only so to find the price on the elite series i had to go to another uh, like a distributor site and see the price there yeah um, from here they don't post the price on this so i'd have to go find an actual distributor to see what they are but not a lot um, of this website's in english <laughs> no no a very small amount's in english yeah um but that's fine um and they are in hong kong oh, wow confirmed but yes uh, so that that's uh, that's it. O outside of that, um, do I have anything else this week? The the thing I have that I'm most excited about, we're talking about um, in our master categories, yeah. both items that I'm most excited about. So I think I'll just leave it there with uh, some one sixth scale penance toys. Andrew finishes up. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is going to be pretty quick. I have done very little in way of pop culture-y things over the last week. Um, I did do uh, my 12 days of Christmas uh, where I've been taking sketches from my sketchbook um, from over the last year or two and mm. um, just putting them up for sale on Instagram. A um, handful of them have sold. There's still several of them left. If you nice. are wanting um, if you are wanting one of those sketches, uh, they are all hand drawn original sketches and you want it in time for Christmas, Buy it today on release day, uh, on the episode yeah. of release day, because I've got to get it in the mail to you and for you. I'd love to do that. All the prices on on my Instagram are including shipping. So um, yeah. jump on that now or you're not going to get it before the new year. Small PSA, if you're ordering anything, the like official cutoff that USPS has put out is the 17th, which is Thursday. So like for real, like yeah. if you want it by Christmas, it's don't hesitate. Exactly. Honestly, um, that's a miracle that they said the 17th. Yeah. It was the 20th earlier, so I'm surprised that they changed it. So, they just uh, changed it to last August. It, I'm I was going to say, given <laughs> who's in charge, I would have expected it, that to have already passed, to be honest. But Yeah. Um, but 17th is the new cutoff date that they put out. Uh, take it to heart. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so yeah, so I, I did that, which was fun. It was fun to revisit, um, some of those old sketches, um, from my they look sketch great. Book. I love the graphics you made. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I'm into branding. I don't know if you've, <laughs> if you've heard, um, but I, I enjoyed doing that. Um, I will enjoy it more if they all sell out, that would be great. So just buy one or five, like I'm fine with it. Um, the other thing is uh, I've been watching, like I told you guys, I think a couple weeks ago, I've been watching Seinfeld again. Mm-hmm. And really kind of for the first time, I'm watching it from beginning to end episode, you know, um, chronologically all the way through. I'm up to season eight now, I believe, um, getting into some of the episodes that I've seen a bunch because they're in syndication and they're later, um, but have watched several episodes that I that I have never seen before, obviously. And I've realized I think I'm Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> like my general <laughs> demeanor. At least now, at least at this stage of life that I'm in, I think I'm Jerry Seinfeld. Um, And I mean that in good ways and in bad ways. So if you're familiar with the show. um, Well, let me ask you this real quick, because this will help me. Is Jerry Seinfeld in the show Seinfeld similar in personality to Jerry Seinfeld in actual life? Uh, uh, Yes. In a lot okay. of ways. I don't think he's a good actor. I think he's good at oh. portraying <laughs> how see. he is. And I think because of that, I've just realized that there's some things he does. And I'm like, yeah, those are some sensibilities I can get on board with. So and they're not always good. They're not always good. Uh, uh, they don't always represent humanity very well. But I, I do feel like I'm represented in watching him. Right. So it's curb your enthusiasm, but turn down two notches. Yes, so I'm glad you said that <laughs> because I'm also watching the current season of, of Curb Your Enthusiasm and I have been dying laughing. I think I texted you something from Curb Your Enthusiasm the other yeah. day. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me find it real quick because that quote was, I just, I died laughing when I heard him say it and I had to text you. Even out of context, it was super funny. So here's what he says. When food's missing, suspicions invariably turn toward the heavy set. <laughs> I just love, I love that comment. Uh, the writing or lack thereof in that show is freaking phenomenal. You, it is not a show you can jump in now. That is a show that you have to go back to the beginning and watch it all the way through for any of the characters to make sense. Um, yeah. But oh my gosh, curb your enthusiasm in Seinfeld. That's I've been living in that world of sarcasm and cynicism. <laughs> and uh it it might be rubbing off on me in a bad way, but I see myself in these characters. Um besides that, a, a note of of joy. Uh, you know our friend Mariana Landon World. Um, she sent me a package a little while ago and I forgot to talk. Oh, it, it happened when I was off the show. Um mm-hmm. Uh, but I saw this up on my board and I wanted to talk about it because she sent me a package of stuff. And I don't know if you guys can see this sticker. Can you see it? Mm-mm. It's very no. like, it's like faint and because it's a front facing glass sticker. So you peel oh, it yeah. off. And then, yeah. So, but it is the safety signs from all of <laughs> your favorite Disney rides. So it says Cute. on it, um, I guess I have to hold it up this way to see it. Uh, for your safety, remain seated with hands and arms and feet and feet and legs inside the vehicle. Supervise children. And it's got like the what's okay to do and then the what's not okay to do. Um, but the difference in the only difference in this graphic and the graphic that you'll see on all of Disney World and Disneyland 
attractions is that um, the characters have Mickey Mouse ears on. Um, or so like the people have Mickey Mouse ears. She stole that off of an attraction ride, thereby endangering thousands of people. Yeah, so uh, whoever... This, this is keeping people from being safe on the ride. Um, no, but I say that she also has a Spanish version, which is freaking phenomenal. So go over to uh, Landon World's site and... Check out all of her Disney paraphernalia. She's been releasing a bunch of stuff over the last couple of months. Um, and uh, go pick up a, a thing or two. She has some what's original art on there. That, what's the likelihood that uh, she would lean on you to translate a Braille version for her? That's a great mm. question. I'll check in with her and I'll I'll, I'll get back <laughs> with you. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. I think, yeah. I, it, the other stuff that I did, we're going to talk about in the around the tape or in the uh, master category. So I think for now, let's just jump over there so we can get the real conversation started. Up next, master categories. The master category section of every show is when we talk about the dice we rolled the week before. We pick our topics based off of those categories. Uh, and uh, Lauren, I'm going to start with you again. Okay. Uh, I got. Future design and future stuff is always a hard category, I think. Uh, so I went on the Google and was digging around and found something pretty interesting. Uh, so I'm going to talk about the Samsung rollable smartwatch. And I'm going to send you guys a link right now because uh, I found this article and like seeing a picture of it definitely kind of helped a little bit. Wait, so smartwatch you... or smartphone? Smartwatch. Smartwatch. Okay. Yeah. But the whole idea that they have is to kind of blend the line between a smartwatch and a smartphone into um, something that's a little more in between. So uh, what is different about this than all other watches? Uh, there's kind of two main factors. Uh, the one is that they wanted to have a built-in camera, which, as I understand, because I'm not an actual um, Apple Watch person or whatever, that you can't actually have a camera in it yet. You can buy an attachment that has one, but it's not necessarily built into the um, the watch, watch itself face. yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that will be different. It's also a round watch, so it looks more like a traditional watch than um, the, you know, like Apple watches, which are like square and kind of like look a little more futuristic than a like standard watch. And then kind of the, the most futuristic and interesting feature of this that is pretty cool is that the screen would be quote unquote rollable. So the idea is that like it goes from being a circle and you can like roll it or stretch it out and it becomes like a kind of like long oval so that you would have like more screen space for your little phone and like be able to use the camera better and things like that. Um, I'm not a huge smart like iWatch person of any kind really because like I just don't need that in my life like I don't need like another thing in my face all the time like giving me more reminders and things like I just. It's not and I just like haven't worn a watch in years, so it's not like I'm not as um you know like familiar with what exists already and stuff. But mm -hmm. I I think this is like an interesting idea. Samsung is really trying to like come up with new things to I think separate it from Apple when like making foldable phones and this kind of stuff that would be really different than what Apple's version is because like I think for a long time everybody's just been like chasing behind them and maybe this is like an attempt to like be their own thing a little more. Sure. I, I don't know. Um, I I want to tack on another explanation of how like the rolling works because mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's gonna translate super well without seeing it. I'm glad you sent us the diagram. Yeah, yeah, it definitely helps to, to see a little picture 
For sure. But it, if you imagine a circle, a circular watch face split in half, and mm-hmm. each side moves independently, yeah. the two sides slide apart, and it adds like 40% more real estate in that center area. It so becomes a pill shape. Right. Yes. That's uh that is wild. I yeah. and and I if you oh go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, are you opening it up to what our thoughts are on this yet? Or are you still giving? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you guys think? I think this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also have a big issue with foldable phones. And for any of our listeners who have a foldable phone, I'm sorry if I offend you right now. I mean, just get over it. Like it's a piece of technology. Just whatever, <laughs> right? But it's they're. They don't seem to make, um, they seem like a novelty, right? Like they seem like mm-hmm. a novelty that that doesn't seem to serve a major purpose. And they feel very, um, I want to say cheap or in it, like they, they don't feel like they're high end. So like I've, I've felt the flip phones, yeah. right, that have the foldable screen. And you've got that little like that little divot in the middle of the screen, so it, you you're losing um, like the smooth scrolling and all that stuff that you would get in a full size screen. Yes, you're getting a more compact um, product, but what you're giving up, I think, is so much more in terms of user experience. Uh, and the same, yeah. I think, is true with this watch. The watch seems like it expands for an unnecessary reason. And if you think about it, like if it's actually on your wrist, so the diagram shows it off of a wrist and someone yes. is operating it, you know, externally from their body, but a watch also, isn't meant to be used that way. A watch is supposed yeah, to be it, on your wrist. It also, to me, looks like the watch band part expands when you do that. So then it yes. would like be too loose and not work as a watch either. It's definitely, it does note in this article that this is like in development. It's not like a finished idea, you know, but it's still like, and I also don't really understand the function of having a camera in your watch either. Like, what are you taking pictures of that needs to be like that? Like I get it. Like if you forget your phone and you need to snap a picture or something, but like most of the time you have your phone or someone does that can help you. Like in fairness, that, so that I believe is supposed to be under the actual display. So you wouldn't actually see it. And for all we know, it's for like facial ID or some other type sure. of recognition. We don't actually know that it's like a camera to snap pictures because that would be massively awkward. Yeah. Like, but okay. So wrist. in researching this, there are like, you know, wrist straps that you can buy for your Apple watch that give you a camera. And then I just kept thinking, what are you taking pictures of with this? What are you it's only, it is only for, for dick pics. pics. That is it's like 100% for Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. It's so, <laughs> so you can take uh, uh, discreet like dick upskirt pics. Upskirt shots and things yeah. like that. I'm like, this is so weird. And <laughs> That's exactly right. Like, who, who, who is this for? And, and then I would say, yes. <laughs> whoever this is for, they don't need more of this to get in trouble with. Like that's like they're going to get in trouble on their own. Don't enable them by giving them products like this that are just so unseemly and unnecessary that it's like. So I I have a big problem with this kind of thing. I have no problem with innovation, right? Like I am not a bah humbug to innovation, to new ideas. And I know that you have to in a lot of like to, to land on gold, you have to, you know, you have to sift through the dirt and the muck and you have to you know, let the worst stuff kind of um, sift away. And then the, you know, the gold is what is left over. So I just assume this 
is some of that dirt and muck and grime that has to get sifted through so we can get whatever the next actual good idea is. <laughs> I I like the the rollable or the foldable screen technology. I mean, we're in like yeah, Gen I think it has right more now. applications than just a watch. Well, like, we're in like Gen two of foldable phones. Yes, mm -hmm. and uh, and and given like how large form factor is getting on like premium phones now, the amount of real estate we expect and how uncomfortable they are to actually carry around with us, I'm I'm very very excited for how that's going to evolve and allow us to actually have very very small form factor that can still be uh you know turn into very very usable space <laughs> i'm but, picturing a scroll like an old yeah. timey like you roll That'll it out this way but yes <laughs> to see it, what it, you it, need and you declare it to the to the room uh the time is 10 43 and all's well and then you roll the it back pigeon up market is going to go right back to <laughs> like this top. exactly that better be like the first official like tablet yeah that's what we should call it like old school um, so, so I do like that, but for watches the the two, here's the two things that stand out to me. Mm -hmm. One is I have fat fingers. I've had a, an Apple watch. I didn't have a difficult time navigating it, but even that aside, the second thing that stands out to me, if we want to think like where we could go, I would expect more integrations with like our own biology. Like if I right now touch my fingers and that activates different muscles in my my wrist or my hand, could we not take those inputs and translate them to movement on a watch? And so I actually have a much larger space that I can then start manipulating a watch with or like doing gestures in just an open space and then those things are recognized. I, I'm expecting that we'll That's start seeing more idea. of that instead of seeing more of like how much technology can we just pack into this little circle. Hey, Patrick, mm -hmm. you want to hear something? The yes. future is now because with your Apple Watch right now, you can go into your accessibility and you can turn on gestures. We're doing this with two fingers or doing this with your hand or doing this makes a whole you can do everything on your apple watch without wow. touching it see that's that's the i love that that yeah. is the, yeah, the area cool. that i want to see people dig into because there is so much there and then there isn't a limitation because well i mean unless you're like duct taped there isn't a limitation um i don't know why you would be duct taped i haven't thought it through <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's not often that i'm wrapped in duct tape i'm not yeah. sure but is it often that you're wrapping <laughs> others in duct tape <laughs> <laughs> I am the golden god, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> but I, to me, the, and then you don't have the limitation of space, right? We we have all of this space to work with. So I, that's where I want to see manufacturers dig into. But like you said, this is just a small stepping stone on the way to another technology that will ultimately probably be very beneficial. Yes. That being said, I pre-ordered three. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> One for each of us. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love All that right. Apple already has that in the watch. I mean, someone thought of that 10 yeah. years ago. I only took five minutes. I still feel like that you invented it. I'll <laughs> you, call feel, you feel like I'll you invented him. it. Okay. Yeah. Little bit. I can yeah. see it on your face. A <laughs> little bit. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, that's it for me. Okay. Um, Andrew, let's save yours for last. Okay. Cause we all be have something to talk about. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Cause so Patrick, take it away. Fake Trails of Tucana, which I'm sure we've talked about in the show before, but I'll give you a little refresher. Trails of Tucana is a very awesome game. Uh, it's just uh, a board. That board has hexes. Think of the hexes like with something like Catan, but a little bit of maybe an irregular pattern, and there's more hexes than that. 
uh, and it's paper. You you play this with just uh, uh, you know your paper mat and a uh, pencil or a pen or a marker, and basically um, two tiles are flipped, two cards are flipped, and those cards tell you, hey, you're allowed to make a connection between this tile A and this tile B, and anywhere on your board you can make that connection. And the idea is that you're drawing trails, so things start connecting over time. They connect to other features. They connect to like points of interest, and you get score based on this very very easy game to learn i mean lit literally like three minutes of learning um very fun and what i like is it's a game you can play but you can still chat with others <laughs> like you can interact with people it's not something that requires like all of your 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 mental capacity to do um and then also everybody's board is slight has a slight variance um or at least everybody's setup has a slight variance that way you know hopefully you don't end up in a condition where everybody's locked and it's like a four-way tie so mm -hmm. there's at least a, a little bit of of skill luck to be balanced uh in any game that said andrew and i win every time okay <laughs> so trust i only got Kana. one chance it's fun play you can play with all ages play it with your family play it with friends great andrew has been iterating on this yes his first iteration was to say can't afford to keep throwing out this paper i can't afford to keep buying new pencils or sharpening them yeah and so his first iteration was we can laminate this we can use oh, markers great idea we can wipe it off so now replayable surface but and one said, and one step further than that in that iteration sending the file to people so that they can play on their ipad like just do markup on their ipad that's also exactly yeah. and so now it, it's just amazing and so now andrew has said that's not even good enough. I want my own Trails of Tucana. Uh, and so thanks to the powers of copyright infringement, Andrew <laughs> took the layout for Trails of Tucana and completely redesigned a holiday edition of the game. Love so it. he has holiday Trails of Tucana. Did some very interesting things, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but we got to play test it last night. So Andrew came over, he printed out cards, printed off boards, laminated the boards, got sleeves for the cards. Uh, the wrong side sleeve because he's bad at calculating. Uh, but <laughs> once we got the, I'll, he'll tell about it in just a second. But play test it last night, ran into a couple of small issues. They're going to get resolved. Don't worry, everybody. They're already resolved, boy. They're going to get resolved. Baby. Don't worry, everybody. Uh, a few corrupted <laughs> files, which I'll tell you about in just a second. Yep. But ultimately, really, really fun. And the enhancements, you know, it's, it's, I was thinking about this, even though it's the exact same game, uh, and I'm, I'm not suggesting this is a good business move, I would absolutely buy a holiday edition of that game. Like, it's, it's just, it's so magical. Like, mm -hmm. one of them has two cans, but, but now we got Cardinals. And this one has oh, dragons, but now this one, what wait, what's the replacement for that? It's a candy cane in the shape of a sea dragon's uh, head. Oh, candy, can oh, it's uh, it's so great. I'm t I'm telling you, like it's so magical, Aww. so fun. It's even more family friendly than it was before, uh, and frankly, looks slightly better. But on that note, <laughs> this is all just a platform, so Andrew can tell you about the mishaps of redesigning an existing game. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, so I was I was redesigning this uh, as part of a uh, for my staff Christmas party. Uh, I was on the team to help plan the party, and uh, we have all adopted uh, Trails of Tucana as a as a team, as a staff. In fact, I think probably at this point, seventy to eighty percent of our staff has purchased their own copy of the game to play at home with their family. 
Um, That's awesome. So we, this is a staff game at this point. But um, I said, hey, what? they said, well, let's play Trails for our Christmas party. And I, at this point, I will say stupidly um, agreed yes. to or proposed the idea of making a holiday overlay of the game. Because in my head, I thought, that's going to be really simple. Mm-hmm. But I also, when I dive into something, don't do it halfway most often. And so I remade all of the cards. I remade the whole deck of cards. I remade the assets. And I even rethought um, some of the game mechanics uh, to streamline it in a way that was actually more usable um, than some of the other ones. And um, and came up with, after just about, sh- just shy of 20 hours worth of work, redesigning all the assets for this game. No one's paying me for this. Yeah. Um, but immensely proud of the product that I came up with. <sighs> Last night, right before I was going to Patrick's house, I had already printed all the assets and cut everything and laminated the boards and done all of those things, sleeved all the cards a second time because the first time I got the wrong size at the game shop. So I had to drive back to the game shop and swap them out. for the other one. So I had done all that. I had printed everything. And then I went to make an adjustment to the file um, I don't even know what I was going to adjust. Maybe I wasn't even going to adjust anything. I was just going to pull the file to see something um, because I had an idea. And when I did, the file said, um, when I tried to open it in Illustrator, it said something like, uh, we couldn't find all of the assets. Um, this isn't exactly what it said, but it's like, we couldn't find all the assets. Uh, we've recovered as much of it as we can. And then they displayed you know, the file. All that was left... Mm. After making a large board, a small board, because there's there's two different size boards, a large board, small board, all the cards, all of the additional assets, all of these different components, all that was left was one art board with eight of the cards on it. And they are all they're eight of the same card because it was the print file where I had them oh all God. laid out. So I don't even have all the different cards. I have one card Ugh. eight times. And what I have this now is is a print copy of this game and that's it we have one copy oh, of this game uh that's tragic it is tragic and and it's Do you maddening. have any idea what made that happen i've no. never no and this heard isn't even an error on my side where like typically i you know i fly too close to the sun and i haven't saved like i saved this regularly cuz i didn't want to lose it and uh i saved it and closed the file and was reopening it later and it was just corrupt. Something had corrupted oh. in the save process or not even in the save process, like after the save you have process your print file. Like I had PDF so that, or... so I have the, the not print files truly because they're not as high res as I would want them to be, but I have um, the large map and the small map as JPEGs um, because I did send oh, them no. out to somebody so they could play with us when we play tested. Um, they were playing on an iPad. So there's a digital version of the map and the of the two different maps, but they're not high res and they're not editable. Yeah. Um, they're just they're, like, and no. they have mistakes. Well, so I was able to go in and fix the the mistakes because of how it was laid out. I was able to just go in. All the mistakes were was kinda... some of the numbers were wrong. So I just oh. put a, a circle there and overlay them essentially like mm-hmm. a digital uh you know, white out. Um, white out. Yeah. So it, the fi- the final product still looks really good and it still functions really well, but there's one copy of it for now. That's <laughs> and, so tragic. 
I'm if really I, sorry because that sucks. I would like to play this with um, some people and maybe our patrons can play uh, yeah. like a holiday fun time to play and I'll send the file out and we can play. Um, but it was uh, simultaneously a victory and a mourning moment for me. This so. is like a, a like not perfect solution, but perhaps something you could maybe scan the printed cards that you have and at least have that, you know, like again, sure. it's like a JPEG. It's not yeah. editable, but then you would at least like have a starting point and have, have to something. like redraw everything, you yeah. know, cause I'm sure like the illustrations are, you could scan it at a high enough resolution. You'd probably be okay. Sure. Yeah. So that's... yeah, you might have to recreate like some of them, like the snow illustration or something, but some yeah. of the other stuff should be fine. Uh, Man. the, uh, so anyway, great game. Uh, it will, uh, normally design slowly degradates, uh, de Oh my gosh. That's a word. <laughs> Degrades. I don't know what other word that I was thinking, but that's not it. Normally design slowly degrades. In this case, it is rapidly degrading or degradating, as we just learned. Uh, and so th this game will not exist uh, really in just a few short days. But I did want to give one more tip for Trails of Chicana. If you do decide to play, and again, great game. If you're looking for a casual game to play, if you're not like a game person, quote unquote, but you want to have something, especially with the holidays coming up, or even a gift to give someone, mm -hmm. um, here's my tip. Spend round one trying to get as many sites as you can because those points get counted in every subsequent round. Mm -hmm. So you can triple those points. So spend round one chasing sites. Round two, convert those connections to uh, roads connecting to, to, you know, uh, a letter to a letter. Uh, and then in round three, round out your collection. Uh, you know, that that's the I think that'll give you the highest scoring game. A score of 120, something like that, is probably like a winnable score. Like that's pretty close. Um 170, 175 is probably the highest realistic score you could possibly get. Uh, and last night I think both of our games, uh, well, one of my games and both of Andrew's games were around 150. So it's a very, yeah. very you guys good. Are very good. It's a very good strategy if you want to get this game and then destroy your family playing it. <laughs> that's what you do. I think I've probably played this game a hundred times now. So like I've got I've got some under the belt for sure. Got some strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Big old slab of strategy. All right. That's it. Uh Andrew, it just leaves you and the thing I am most excited about. Ladies yeah, and gentlemen, excited. we have uh have been watching the season three uh, premiering of Succession on HBO. Uh, and this is a show that we've talked about, I think every season we've mentioned it at least once. Um, mm -hmm. But this is a show we talked about way back in the day when it first aired. And uh, just a quick, you know, um, if you're not up on the show, I'll give you a very like elevator pitch synopsis. It's a, it's a large multi-billion dollar fortune 500 or probably Fortune 100 company, a uh, big mm -hmm. conglomerate company that's owned and operated by a family. Uh, there's a dad who is getting up in age, and he is uh, the show kicks off by him, uh, everyone expecting him to tell about his succession plan, going to his oldest son, um, and then it doesn't happen quite the way that everyone was expecting. And, uh, it's about deceit. It's about um, betrayal. It's about family. It's about uh, uh, addiction. It's about um, just the all of the broken messiness that family yeah. can be. 
and it is done so phenomenally well. Uh, the writing is stellar. Um, I don't have the cast in front of me, Patrick. You're going to be a lot better with it, but Jeremy Strong does an incredible job. Yeah. Um, Kieran Culkin does a phenomenal job as well. Uh, and the dad, I can't remember his name right now. I love Brian him. Brian Cox. I love yeah. Brian Cox as an actor. I, I love I love. Him. I, I don't know the actors' names, but Tom and Siobhan are my favorites. Matthew <laughs> so McFadden good. and Sarah Snook. Yeah. It's, yeah. They, they're so good. Everyone is so good. <laughs> yeah. So that's the synopsis of the show. Uh, and, and it just unfolds and unravels as, as it goes. Season three. Um, if you've not watched it and you want to, we this might be a good opportunity for you to go ahead and head out of this episode because I feel like it's going to be hard to talk about this season without yeah. giving away some of the spoilers of it. I, um, I would love to talk about this with more spoiler stuff just because like a big part of the show is it's twists and turns. And if we can't talk about that at all, like then we're going to have nothing to say. So let's <laughs> let's do it. Let's first before we do that, let's give um on a scale of one to 10, let's rate the show uh, for mm -hmm. this season, this season, and oh, give man. a highlight that is spoiler free. And then we will allow people to, we will hopefully have titillated people who haven't watched the show and, and now are going to. They can head out and have our endorsement or not. And then uh, everyone else who is, is watching the show or who doesn't care about spoilers, they can stick around to hear the rest of the conversation. So, uh, Patrick, why don't I start with you? What's What's your rating of this season and give a highlight, spoiler-free highlight? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the show, it, in, in terms of what I like, it's a, a 10 for me. Um, just uh, for a slight bit of clarity, uh, I believe the show is uh, loosely based on uh, Rupert Murdoch mm -hmm. uh, and News Corp, which ultimately, I believe, ended up purchasing Fox and Fox News. I, I, I think that's uh, kind of roughly what it's about. And so you can imagine a lot of those kind of entanglings and scandals that we've heard about from from these companies are also a lot of the scandals and entanglings that are happening in the show. Uh, it, it is um, what I think is fascinating is that even though none of us are uh, multi-billionaires, uh, it's amazing how good of a job they do in making the family dynamics of this group of at completely out of touch people somehow feel incredibly relatable and you will be able to place someone in your own life or someone that's, uh, uh, close to you in kind of each one of these characters positions and that's something I think is just magical and the other thing I'll say is um, there's a, a great article about Jeremy Strong whether you like the show or don't like the show you've probably heard the seen the article pop up uh, talks of oh so and so's defending Jeremy Strong and this or that ignore all of this like uh, this like tangential stuff read the article for yourself but it is amazing how in this case, uh, so much of real life is feeding into the show and vice versa. It's, it's actually a really, really cool dynamic. And I do think reading that article will reframe how you watch the show and not in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Those are the things I wanted to say. They're non-spoilery. Okay. Lauren? I have a really hard time rating this show because like, it's not something that I, I would normally watch or really. And like half the time, I feel really upset after I've watched a new episode. It's just like, it, it's such a weird feeling because like everybody in the show is really awful. <laughs> like everyone is a bad person. I never feel like I can root for anybody, but I still have to know what happens next. Like I, I literally feel like every week I turn up, I turn on the show, get slapped in the face and then like feel bad about it for a week. And then I'm like, but what happens next? Please give me more, sir. Like, I don't know what 
keeps me coming back all the time, considering how bad it makes me feel sometimes. Because I do think that like the reason it is so relatable is how real it is. Like they're saying a lot of things people normally don't actually say out loud, um, which I think is what is like kind of like edgy about the show or like what makes like the dialogue so sharp and stuff is like they're really saying stuff that like you usually keep in your head, but they say it all to each other and they're so harsh and like it's it's just crazy. (laughs) And like I'm really like I love you guys know this, like trying to predict like what's going to happen next in TV shows and like being part of that like in between episode conversations where you're like, um, you know, gaming out what might happen. And I can never, ever, ever get it right with this show. And I I feel like they always come up with like surprises and twists and turns, not even just in their like financial stuff with their like character and personal like events that are like so crazy that I'm like, I I don't understand how the show is written or what these people think about on a normal basis. It's like very outside of the zone that I, uh, like thinking a lot, but I love this show. Uh, I pr- I guess I'll say like maybe nine out of ten because I liked the other seasons more than this one. But that's kind of my only. I'm judging it against itself. Okay, I I'm gonna also give this season a ten, um, and I'll tell you one reason. This season, Tom's character has been so absolutely yes. dynamic. And I love every second of it. Um, and that's all I'll say about that in the spoiler-free zone. Um, and I will kick off the next portion of spoiler-ridden zone with a quote from him that I think is is phenomenal. But uh, it's a spoiler, Patrick, so you know what that means. Bring in the spoiler soundtrack. <laughs> there be spoilers, I Okay, so we're officially in spoiler uh, zone. I'm going to kick off spoiler zone uh, for season three of Succession by uh, reading one of my favorite quotes um, by Tom, and I think it sums up his whole season, honestly. And that is this. He says, I got deep into the prison blogs about toilet wine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That to me sums up his, and so if you know, or you don't know, he laid himself down on the tracks. Uh, He put himself in front of the bullet, uh, taking one for the team, whatever analogy you want to use for, for the company and specifically to earn favor with Logan um, in this Mm -hmm. season. And so he was convinced as was everyone that he was going to be going to prison. They were going to pin all of the wrongdoings of the company on Tom. And he had already kind of, um, he had already resigned himself himself to the idea. And he was looking up all of these um, white collar prisons all across the country. And he was talking about them almost like it was if he was trying to get into Princeton, right? Like everything, uh, it was like he had safety prisons, you know, like safety colleges (laughs) and, um, and so when he talked about toilet wine and how to how to how to make toilet wine, I thought that was kind of the apex of his story arc in this season. And I absolutely loved it. I think that talk he has about like the the first cold glass of a really cold glass of white wine on an empty stomach. is such yep. a great line as well. <laughs> I, I just absolutely loved it. Um Patrick, what are your thoughts on this season? Because you you read that article about Jeremy Strong, and I think there's some really interesting things that play with his character this season. 
you know, it, it's enough that it's probably worth a rewatch. So the New Yorker published an article called On Succession, Jeremy Strong Doesn't Get the Joke. And in going mm-hmm. through the article, um, it, here's a quote that really stands out. Um, Jeremy Strong, who plays Kendall, says, To me, the stakes are life and death. Um, I take him as seriously as I take my own life. Uh, and it is true. Kieran Culkin said that Jeremy Strong takes Kendall's character so seriously. And keep in mind, mm-hmm. we all know that like Kendall's a dork. All right, like like and he's, goes an, and he's an addict. I think that's a very nice word. Like, but like would, yeah. he, he goes into these rants about like the the poor are gonna eat the rich, and they're like he he does all this stuff. Ultra woke. All, yeah, it's almost like this this uh, what's it called like smash poetry or some junk, or yeah slam poetry. It, he slam, goes slam like, poetry. This like slam poetry stuff. Okay, he leaned over to Kieran Culkin during season one and said. I'm afraid people are going to think this show is funny or like think this show's a comedy. And Kieran Culkin had to say to him, Jeremy, I think it is a comedy. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's how seriously he takes the show. So now switching to uh, Brian Which is Cox. very funny with like their characters as well, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing how much it yeah. seems like the show. And in fact, Jeremy has pushed it so well, far that like because in the show he's like not really kind of part of the family. Like he's not part of the inner circle during the season. He mm-hmm. would refuse to go to the makeup trailer when everybody else was in the makeup trailer. He oh would, gosh. he would he limit. Full how- so he's like full Daniel day Lewis method, all of it. Like <laughs> one, he doesn't call it method acting. And number two, Daniel day Lewis is one of his uh, biggest idols. By the really? Way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they talk go. about it. in the uh, Yeah. I heard that he like also like almost bankrupted an art museum trying to give, or, or like a playhouse trying to give Al Pacino a special award because he loves him so much. Like, <laughs> That's also in the article as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's a great Which article. literally buddy. sounds like something that would happen on the show. Like, <laughs> So the thing is, he's kind of his character, but but he's actually creating tension on set because like he won't do like rehearsals with people or like he'll he'll purposely not join in conversations. He'll avoid them at certain points. And so the tension that you see on screen is also tensions happening on set. So Brian Cox that that plays Logan, he uh, he relayed a story about Dustin Hoffman, who, by the way, I think is one of um, Jeremy's other big influences. Mm-hmm. And basically, Dustin Hoffman, uh, he was filming uh, a movie and he needed to be very exhausted for a scene. Right. And so he stayed up for like three days straight partying. So when he filmed the scene, he would be completely exhausted. exhausted. Well, one of the more senior actors on the set, uh, seeing him, what he was doing to himself, looked at him and was like, you know, Dustin, have you tried acting? Yeah. And <laughs> that's, the, I, that's kind of what Brian Cox ends up saying. So Brian Cox ends up saying, I just worry. And this is from his book. He says, I just worry about what he does to himself. I worry about the crisis he puts himself through in order to prepare. I just feel that he has to be kinder to himself and therefore has to be a bit kinder to everybody else. Yeah. Now, he goes on to say, I'll put up with anything. He goes on to say, who am I to judge? I'll put up with anything as long as the result is good. I don't always agree with him regarding the way he prepares or the way he does things, but his process is his business. That's a very important line. That's fair. It's nothing to do with me. As long as it never gets in the way when we actually play the scene, then that's fine. And as it happens, it's always great. And so I think that's a piece people are missing in this article. So a lot of people are taking the article to be like, you know, Jeremy Strong's a massive asshole and, yeah. and this and that. Um, but 
as long as he's not like harassing people and being abusive to people and you know if he's mm-hmm. just massively hard on, on himself and it makes some other people uncomfortable that's still his business because yeah th- th- that's that's what he does that's his living that's his livelihood yeah. um and i think that's the reason we see a lot of other people running to defend i don't think it's a defend or not defend situation but it is interesting to understand that the dynamics you're seeing on screen are really similar to the dynamics that are actually yeah. happening on the set when they film I waited to read that article because I was kind of like getting a lot of the gist of it on Twitter. Um, and I was like, I kind of want to wait till after the season to like read this because it, it'll be like, you know, kind of fun to like think about after the fact. And and then I was like, I normally listen to um, Vanity Fair's Still Watching podcast and they have the actors or producers or writers of the show come on every week. And they were supposed to have Jeremy Strong, but the reaction to that article was so strong that he backed out of it and didn't do the interview. Wow. And that sounds and like a Ken- that sounds like Kendall. Like, I was like, they literally mentioned an interview. an interview with Vanity Fair in this last episode. So I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is and weird. and but- him backing out from all these thousands and thousands of dollars worth of prep work that he had planned. Yeah, it's- and and I was think they compared it where they were saying something like uh, Kieran Culkin commented like, yeah, try acting, dude, you know, or whatever. And it's like to him, it must be so different because like he's grown up as a child actor. So like to him, acting is like a completely different experience. I, I, like, you know, than it must be for Jeremy but Strong. Like it's true. just a very interesting thing to think about because I'm like, oh, yeah, like like his brother is Kevin McAllister. You know, like he's right. so famous. Like when he was on SNL, they showed him like as a little five year old boy on the stage. Like not a lot of people live that life at all, like and have such an insight to acting and like living with it for so long. Because like if he'd been doing that since he was a kid, like he probably wouldn't be alive. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that that. Yeah, I I agree with, with that last statement for sure. But I think it's more than that. I think the characters that they're being asked to portray, it makes sense for for Kieran Culkin to see the show as a comedy because of his character and the perspective yeah. that he brings to the to the show. And it makes sense for Kendall, the, you know, the actor Jeremy playing Kendall um to see the whole existence as ultra uh ultra important i think is the right word ultra important and um hyper real uh and so mm-hmm. it makes sense for for the directors and the showrunners to allow i say allow very freely right like I, I don't mean that in like the you know the traditional sense but to allow kieran to see the show as a comedy and to allow mm-hmm. jeremy to see the show as a drama um, i think the show is it, a bit of both it's it not is both. one if, if thing. i would never yeah. have called it a comedy last night mackenzie no. uh when we were playing games she she called it a dark comedy and as she said it I, my gut reaction was like no that's not right but then i thought about it and i thought no but it is there are aspects of the show that are a traditional dark comedy. I, but that doesn't, I don't see the show through that lens until I picture the show through Kieran's character. And if I think about it the way that he sees it, 100%. The way that I see yeah. Tom, 100%. The way that I see Shiv, not at all. The way yeah, that I, was I like, see Kendall, Greg is funny, not at all. Yeah. Um, and so. It's it's a really interesting show in that it can take on different dynamics depending on which family member you're watching the show through, and yeah. um, and I think so. Getting back onto season three specifically, another character that I've been really interested to watch this season is Greg, 
And Greg had a quote in this la- in the season finale um, that mm-hmm. I want to read. He said, and this is a total shift for Greg. And he said, "What am I gonna what what, what am I gonna do with a soul anyway?" Yeah, like that. Souls are boring. Yes. Boo souls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and prior, like all along the way, he we've seen him. That so hard. We've seen him. We've seen his character. Well, then he sued Greenpeace and go deep, deeper and deeper into this hole. And I think we've seen him turn truly turn to the dark side. He has always been at war with himself on what's good and what's not good, what's permissible, what's not permissible. He wants to be in with the family, but he doesn't want to do all the things that the family does to be in truly with them. And I think mm-hmm. in this season finale, after he got a little bit of good luck his way and he got a little bit of uh, attention from some girls, Greg is changing his tune a little bit. And uh, I have a really specific question that we'll wrap all this stuff up with in a minute um, about mm-hmm. how the show ended. Um, but before that happens, what are some other things that stood out to you during this season that you're like, absolutely, this was what made the season for me? Something I, this isn't exactly that, but something I definitely wanted to talk about was did you guys believe or like what side were you on of like, did Kendall die at the end of episode eight to nine? Cause I, <laughs> I was seeing that like, so I was like, at first I was like, no way, not happening. And then I kept thinking about it. I'm like, maybe actually maybe for real and i just like couldn't get out of my head so i was like so back and forth on that throughout the week where i was like i just don't know oh you mean did we think that at the end of eight not after watching nine no sorry yeah at okay. the, between eight and nine uh, because like I did it think ends it with him like face down died. in yeah. the pool yeah yeah i did think it was possible because it felt died. like an ending to kendall like yeah. i was like i have no idea what he, what you what we would get out of him if he keeps going even from like a story aspect like his character arc felt um complete completed and mm-hmm. like forcing him to keep going is in fact more interesting than than killing him would have been but yeah. like well and i think it, we saw like, how obviously I think just we like saw how totally they ruined yeah in this episode like he's just like not himself not good probably maybe he won't even be in the whole next season because he needs to go to like a mental institution yeah I, I don't think that's the case at all i i think that what we've now seen is that yeah i think kendall had a death of sorts i mean you see that the addiction that he's holding floats away from him while he's in the pool. But he goes from um, having the cross necklace at his party to then having a death to his addiction. The pool is kind of could be his baptism. He does his confession oh. where he like actually says his deepest sins. His sin, right. And then now mm. when it gets to the end of the episode, you have these two siblings that are falling apart. I mean, Roman is on his knees begging jerry and you have shiv like shaking uncontrollably she finally like cracks a tear and she becomes human you, yeah and then you have <laughs> kendall smiling at logan kendall is the strongest one there because he has just dealt with this so going mm-hmm. into next season kendall is the one that's actually primed to take charge because he already understood which what everybody else didn't understand which is that logan is all business. That's all. There is mm-hmm. no heart behind it. There is no like compartmentalized oh, yeah. family <laughs> somewhere. Like all of his kids believed that like this idea of love could somehow like turn him before he went off the deep end. And Kendall finally realized like you are, you're purely this thing. Mm-hmm. And Shiv and Roman just had to come to the understanding that he is purely that thing. And that the familial relationship means nothing. 
you know, Roman said to Kendall after Kendall confessed, Roman made the comment, it's just business. Now, mm-hmm. of course, like it feels like um, yeah. a small thing to say, but I do think that these kids have this belief that it is two compartmentalized separate things. And at the end of the day, if someone is in their lowest, lowest point, they would step away from everything else for their family. And that last moment was them realizing that they are all different than Logan. And I, I think that yeah. that's, we, we saw that happen and it was, that was probably one of the most affecting scenes of the whole series for me so mm-hmm. far when they were out um, sitting in the dirt and he's confessing and seeing, and even prior to that, right. Seeing uh, when they did the intervention and, and seeing how they all actually care about Kendall when if you were to take the rest of the season and series at face value, you would think that they don't give a rip about him. But they, when push comes to shove, they are there for him and they still do come together yeah. as a family. And I loved seeing the three of them charge forward as siblings to go storm the castle. I loved that scene. Yeah, I was so excited. And they really like sweep the rug out so quickly. And, and it's crazy because like I was thinking that like this show is like the most brutal show in the world. Like I, nothing makes me like get more upset than this show tends to do. And it's like crazy because if they threw a punch or anything, it would relieve the tension so much because you just get so mad. Like they're yeah. holding in so many things that they like, like, or it's just like the way that they act is so messed up. that you just want to scream or like, you know, act out and like shake them. And, and like they, they, they never do. And it like it's so hard to like live with that tension. Yep. <laughs> if you, I think one of the biggest moments for me, as far as the strength that Kendall has, is the flip when he was sitting on the ground outside. Roman was standing over him with his arms on his shoulders. Yes. When mm-hmm. you go to the very last scene, Roman is on the ground and Kendall is standing over him with his arms on his shoulders. Yeah. Um. It is a a total flip of like power confidence. All those types of things. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, um, I love the season. Uh, you know, it's interesting at, at the final episode, Tom called Greg Sporos, which is what he calls him in like episode two. He tells the story <laughs> of so and so like killed his wife and then castrated, uh, you know, his uh, servant and yeah. married him. And his servant's name was Sporos. So at the end, mm-hmm. Tom kills Shiv basically uh, and yeah. then uh, chooses Greg. So the thing we were told back in the beginning of the season is what ultimately happened. Um, and then crazy. now going back and in, in rewatching with those type of things in mind, uh, I'm excited to go back and do a rewatch. I'm, I'm minimum going to go back and rewatch this season, but I'll probably do the whole show. Um, but uh, it's just very, very well done. Um, you know, I, I want to see uh, the role of, it's funny because they talk about him so little, I forget his name. What's the other brother's name? Connor. Yeah, Connor. Connor. I, I love the fact that he is so dismissed by the family that his own siblings don't yeah. even consider him the firstborn. And if someone says the firstborn, they're talking about own Kendall. siblings assume they're talking about Kendall. That mm-hmm. is an amazing thing to highlight. They threw in some interesting information in that entire conversation that they were having with Connor, where it's like, I didn't see dad for three years. Like, that's interesting. Why? And and it's so it because Connor feels like an interesting character because like he's not as much of a like straight up 
like loser as like Roman is. He's not as qualified as Kendall or Shiv, but he has ambitions. He just kind of throws himself into whatever is the shiniest toy and doesn't commit enough. You he's know, but it's arguably, like I think if he had been arguably the most entitled though of all the children. But but I do think if somebody if if he had ever had like Logan be like a mentor to him, he might have succeeded, you know, sure. because he he's someone who clearly needs to be guided to what's next. Like he will do whatever somebody tells him and he's good at it, but he's not good at making decisions for himself. But he's he's too tender hearted to really be a Logan and that or to really be a uh, yeah. A, yeah. Well, a Roy, well that was even the, why his girlfriend decided to marry him. She, all she says is, well, you're nice. Like, yeah, you you're know? a nice you're a nice man is what she says. Yeah. yeah. And then she so, started pounding the champagne after she said that. Yeah, I, I just I wouldn't want to marry him if I were her either. <laughs> he's I'm crazy. interested to see what his role is going to be next season as well. It's going to be turned up. I, yeah. Because I don't think he has any illusions so. about Logan. I mean, Logan flat out was like, here's money F off. Yes. Um, and that's what his life has been, has just been like Logan basically saying, I'm paying you money to just stay away from me and what's going on here. No. So well, it'll be Connor, interesting yeah. to see yeah, how, because um, I, I think he's fully on the sibling side. I, th I think it's now fully split of like, you know, Siblings Logan and then obviously... Dad, yeah. Uh, Tom and Greg, and then all the siblings on the other side. But I'm I'm really excited for the dynamic in this next season. Um, yeah, because I feel like the other seasons have been like Kendall season, Shiv season, Roman season. So the next one could be Connors or all of them together. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap the conversation here because we could go on for the next two hours, right? Like, I yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna wrap this by asking this question, and I think you've already alluded to it, Patrick. Do I think I know your answer to this. So I'll ask you first, Lauren, do you think that what happened at the end, the person that tipped everyone off was Tom and Tom chose his position with Logan over Shiv and the rest of the family? Yes, 100%. Okay. And you think yeah. that happened too, Patrick? I mean, just imagine Tom's position. He sees also, someone coming he in. Who did. He sure. sees someone coming in, Greg, mm -hmm. who is not married to one of the siblings and is seemingly going to end up with a higher position hierarchically in the family and more say so than him. And and then on. So he he's sitting here going like I'm losing power. I have less uh, like authority <laughs> and autonomy than I've had. Um I put my whole neck on the line to say I would go to jail for these people, like that type of thing. Yeah. My, my, my wife, like <laughs> Shiv, I've given her every opportunity to 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 show or prove or state her love for me. But if she walks away from me tomorrow, then I'm just getting thrown in the garbage bin. And so That's, Logan is his problem. out. Like now he does not need Shiv. <laughs> he has yeah. now established Re his middleman's position. Yeah, exactly I so. I think a lot of that has to do with Shiv in general, where it's like she's always like had the power over him. And they have that conversation. And I don't remember if it's episode seven or eight. They're like pillow talk conversation where she gets like real. Yeah. Really real. She says, I don't I don't love you. <laughs> and I'm yeah. better than you. And yeah. I you will love me because I'm better than you. And yes. I think he like wants to prove her wrong and like make her love him and or like get the respect and like power that he has earned or like he knows that he won't get it from her. Logan I think is that his was only shot. Like, I think that yeah. was the flip for him. I think he would have done mm -hmm. anything for Shiv prior yeah. to that conversation. Um, and uh, 
and maybe even if it wasn't selflessly, I think there yeah. was a, the selfish component was he wanted to advance his own career and his own standing in not just the company, but in the, the world, like, like in the echelon. But because of Shiv's like blatant disrespect of him, I think it finally kicked him to the other side. But mm-hmm. on that note, I want to point out, I don't actually think Greg is like fully bad. I understand the take oh, yeah. and I understand what Greg says. I think in this case, Greg is actually just loyal to Tom. And if Tom had gone the other direction, Greg would have gone with him. I agree. So yeah, I, agree. I, I mean, in, in this like culpability circle, like Tom is the one who's like the most made the meanest decision, I guess, like out, excluding Logan, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, like, it, but it is Greg taking a stand and it's a different stand than where he would yeah. have been last season this time. And so, yeah. Ultimately, we'll see what ends up happening. They definitely don't paint the picture clearly, but they do allude to the fact that now, uh, obviously, the the family dynamic has shifted, but the power has shifted. And it seems at the end, the power has shifted in Tom's favor, which would imply that maybe he was the one who uh, tipped off Logan so that he would do all of the change of stuff um, that would remove all of the power from the kids. And so I am... So excited for season four. Um, it can't mm-hmm. get here soon enough. And if you have listened to this whole thing and you haven't watched Succession, don't let this deter you. Go and watch this show. You can re-watch it with Patrick and I. Yeah, it's a very like complex show and it makes me feel a lot of feelings every episode, but like it's so worth watching. Like I actually watched all of it um like catching up for this season. I hadn't really watched it before. I tried it at first and I didn't like it, and then I like forced myself to get through it and eventually got into it more but it's just it's a tough show sometimes like it can be really hard to watch it's not a feel-good show it's not ted lasso no yeah (laughs) last note uh i don't think jeremy strong's wrong because we've all had tough co-workers but being a tough co-worker doesn't make you a bad person it just makes you different yeah that's one of the things that's really good about the show is like no one is 100 percent good or evil it's just like people trying to like make the best decisions for themselves they're all very selfish they're all selfish and entitled for sure but they're not necessarily like evil they're just human beings like you know and hey at the end of the day you can't make a tomlet without breaking a few gregs and that's where roman is purely evil we will we will leave it at that we are going to head out of this episode (laughs) you can uh find show notes and links on um m of one.network as well as a whole bunch of other episodes and a bunch of other topics from all the different places that we've been and talked to some really incredible people uh we may have a couple interview episodes coming up in the uh in the near future uh so be on the lookout for that like Lauren said, join the drawing board this uh, coming week, the 21st. Um, so yes. uh, next week, if you're listening to this on, re- on release day. And then uh, pay close attention to the Dungeons & Designers to hear our illustrative voices on that podcast coming up soon as well. So, um, But before we jump off of this episode, let's roll our dice to figure out what we're talking about next week. Uh, Patrick, what do you have? Sure. And while I'm rolling my dice, I'll let you know Twist.com twitch.tv slash m of one podcast you can go ahead and you can subscribe to the twitch channel so when we start streaming on there you will get those updates we'll announce full times and everything uh probably next week probably next week yeah 15 we're getting all of our ducks in a row for that that's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun to interact with people we've done video format before We've done live before, but we've never done live video before where we can actually interact mm-hmm. with people in real time all across the world. This is going to be a fun uh, venture for us. I'm excited to see what what we can do with this. 
All right, yeah. Patrick, why don't you roll? Yep, I did. 15, and I rolled a two, so that's present, whatever it is. 15 is going to be art. Lovely. And I rolled I a 14. 14 is going to be... Oh, you got, we all got present. Great. Uh, you also got art, so you guys are going to have to... Oh, okay. I currently have podcast and YouTube. 17. You got food. Okay. Perfect. I got Great. 10. I rolled a 10. A 10, a 10, a 10. A 1, ten zero. is film. Lucky okay. you. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah lucky me. possibly talk about? Lucky me. Let's see if I can get a ticket. <laughs> All right. Do you not have one yet? <laughs> no, because Patrick has to work like a dummy. All right. I will say, though, I got tickets on Sunday. No problem. Okay. It's good to know. I, I'm sure I'll be able to see it. This yeah. weekend. I'm not terribly worried about it. And I have if Cooper. You don't this know weekend, what we're so talking we're about. Listen. Have you ever listened to this show? Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to uh, something else. <laughs> I couldn't we're even talking- think. <laughs> I'll just say it. We're talking about Tony Spitterman. Yes. Tony Tony Frank Spitterman. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're going to get out of this episode. You can find us at M of One Podcast on all the different social platforms. Join the conversation on Slack. Uh, you can find us individually. I'm at Andrew Sale with threes instead of E's. If you want to buy some of that art, that's where you find it. I'm at Not Cool Co. everywhere. Yep. And I'm at Patrick. And I'm at my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get out of here. I'm Andrew. I'm Lauren. I'm Patrick. Peace out. Adios. Bye. Bye.